This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books chapter by chapter and page by page. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And so before we get started, please like and review us on Apple and Spotify. If you leave us five stars and some kind words, in a review on Apple or a comment on Spotify. We will read it out on a future episode of the show. Other than that, you can join our Discord and come and hang out with us there. You can find that link in the episode description. And so today we are talking about the chapter, Bless the Child, Arjitlam. Orc guides the two through Tronjim as they settle into their new home. He shows them where the original caves of the dragon riders are and bestows on Saphira her own cave. He says that Aragon is able to sleep there as well and that his food can be brought up to him and that would be something that he can do, though Aragon kind of sees this as a test and decides that he and Saphira decide that he can go eat with Auric and Saphira will stay in the cave and get some rest from their weary traveling. So as they go, they get something to eat and Auric kind of explains the fate of the dwarfs and how Tronjim is kind of like cut off from the rest of the Dwarven Empire and that it's hard to get supplies. Um, It's secure and its defense is easy, but supporting the people within the city is actually quite difficult. Um, Orc calls Aragon and other people call him by the name Arjitlam, which is a word from the ancient language, which means silver hand. And he learns that this is a title for dragon riders. So after Aragon bathes and gets some new clothes, he's shown about how to move about the city with the staircases and slides and the lanterns along the path. A random woman appears to him and grabs his foot after Oryk leaves and requests a blessing for her child. He uses some of the magic words taught to him and Sephira marks the baby's forehead, leaving behind a a mark in the gateway, Ignazia, the mark of the writers. Yeah, so Sephira is then marked by, or this child is marked by Sephira. And that's the end. That's what happens in this chapter. Again, like, lots of lore and lots of dwarven politics and society things in this one. Yeah, so you wanted to talk about the dwarven lore with Auric and everything, and that's kind of the first thing that happens in this chapter. So why don't you start this off this time? So it's interesting. So like we start this chapter and we get revealed basically that Ajahad has basically made this very savvy political move because he needs 
to punish Oric because he was insubordinate, directly disobeyed his commanding officer. So he basically demotes him from his rank in the Varden. But Oric kind of holds these two roles in that he's also like has power as the kings, like in with the King Hrothgar and everything about that. And so it's interesting because he's basically said like he basically gave Oric freedom to kind of do what he wants a little bit. And he's no longer under the twins' supervision. Yeah, absolutely. But not only that, he also made him Aragon and Sephira's guide while they're there, which is going to make him the third most famous person in the whole city now after Aragon and Sephira. Right. Because there's there's going to be all these people clamoring to get near them and to ask for things from them and to want to be around them. And Oric is going to be that person that allows that or prohibits that. So that gives right. him a lot of power. It does. Um, I can't remember in this chapter, if it's in a later, is Oric's relationship to the king explained in this chapter? Well, we know that they're from the same clan, but that's about it. Oh, okay. So then I'll wait on that. So Oric has a special yeah. relationship with the Okay. King. Don't jump the gun again, please. Yes, I'm trying not to. Um, <laughs> it's getting exciting. This is the exciting part of the book. There's like four more chapters left in the book. I know. Okay. And so like Oric gets this like station, but it's again, it's Ajahad basically like instead of like admonishing like, oh, I can't like I have to punish this person, even though I agree with them. He's basically using the situation of the dwarfs not being fully in the Varden to his advantage, which I kind of just shows how he's a good leader. But like, so like the twins will be mad about it, but they can't really complain that he didn't do anything because he did all that was in his power to do. Right. And like he followed the rules like they can't be mad at him for breaking the law or not following the rules because he did that. It's very much the thing of I'm going to follow the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. I'm going to accomplish my own thing, but I'm going to do it within the specific boundaries that you have arbitrarily decided we have to follow. Right. And so like he's going to he is following in a lot of ways, like the letter of the law but the spirit of what he considers the greater law, which is not punishing someone for, you know, defending someone who needs help. So yeah, that's the first thing that in there. And so I guess we can move on kind of like, we learn about like that, even though the dwarves have this tenuous relationship with writers, there are places for writers to stay built into this city, which I think is interesting. It is kind of a contradiction there. I didn't really right. pick up on that until now, but yeah. Did you have more you wanted to add or were you turning it over to me? Yeah, you go ahead. Um, so the first thing I wanted to point out is that Auric refers to Sephira as your dragon to Aragon. And he doesn't speak to her and he doesn't say her name. And he speaks to Aragon and she is mad about it. She is he owed. Yep. And then later she like growls and hisses at him. And then later on he does it again. And he's like, Safira, 
the dragon. I'm so sorry. Let me bow down to you. Like, it's okay. Don't kill me. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Well, I think this is a theme that like we've seen of like Saphir has really only been around Aragon, Murtag, and Brahm as other sentient beings who all acknowledge her personhood in her own way. Like Murtag at least knows that a dragon is has somewhat of a personality from based on his upbringing and being around the king and everything. Brahm obviously knows about dragons because he was a writer and he very much like gives Saphira his own personality. But it's interesting to me that she's mad at Auric, but Ajahad kind of like reacts the same way. He only really talks to Aragon. Yeah, but Ajahad never demeans her. And I think that that's the issue. I do feel like it's kind of demeaning to ignore a, a sentient being that's right there and only speak to the white man. You know what I mean? Like, and, and not only that, like, he doesn't speak to Aragon and say, oh, well, Safira needs to do da 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 da. He just says, oh, well, you're dragon. And I feel like that's really different than saying, well, Safira, da da da, this, even if you're not speaking directly to her. Well, and it's it's the similar thing of like when we get introduced to people and I know them first and they're like, oh, is this the wife? I would, yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> now you're just mad. <laughs> I'm irritated. Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, so I just wanted to bring that up because it shows like so far we've seen pretty passive sides of Safira. Like she has opinions, she has actions, she does things, but like I don't really think we've seen her get really mad yet, except for maybe the time that Murtag and Aragon are fighting. We we don't really see her getting super angry a lot. And of course, right. the times that like they've been in battle and stuff like that. But yeah. Well, this is the first time I think we see like. It's not just Saphira, like Saphira's anger at Aragon and Murtag is because they're being insolent and they're being children and they're being stupid in a lot of ways. And she's like, well, I'm done with this. You all are going to talk about your problems or we're going to sit here until, you know, the world ends. And uh, but with. This is the first time we've seen her get angry because she feels disrespected. Yes. And dragons are very proud creatures. Yeah. And those are two very different situations. So I'm just interested mm -hmm. to see if it happens again and, and who is the unlucky perpetrator. Yeah. Let's see what happens. But moving on a little bit, we do get some more dwarven lore in this episode. We or in this chapter, we learned that most of the city is deserted. Like the higher levels, they there's no nobody that lives there. There's no one there. It's deserted. And Oryx says that there are levels in the halls that haven't been even touched in centuries. And this remains this way, we learn, because the city can house the entire dwarven nation. Like all the dwarves can come there and fit easily. And that's why they've kept this stronghold, this city, even open, because that is like the biggest boon you could ever possibly think to have. Right. 
which explains a little bit like why the why maybe the dwarfs were able to escape Galvatorix's persecution because I mean this place is not easy to find. No, not at all. And they've it said in the chapter that the calling of all the dwarves to Trondheim has only happened three times in history, and I'm willing to bet one of those three times was during Galvatorix's reign of terror when he's conquering everything. Right. And like three times in history, that's pretty big deal considering that dwarves are a native creature to Allegatia. They did not yeah. come from a faraway land. Right. Like they're not new to the continent. No. Um, we also learned that only about 4,000 humans are there, which Aragon is very sad about. And Auric is very reassuring about it. Like, hey, it's not that bad. Like, there are other people out there. That's just who's here now. Like, it'll be okay. Um, and the other dwarven lore we learn about, the, like, spiral staircase that goes around. And so they do have ways of communicating with people up at the top and the very bottom. So that's not something they've just forgotten about. Right. And then we also get some more elven lore in this chapter, too. Um, not a ton, but some. We learn the origin of the word Arjetlam. Is, how is it you pronounce it? Arjetlam. Arjetlam, which means silver hand. And it's elven in origin, and it basically used to be referred to, like, that's what you would refer to the writers as. And so now it's used as, like, a sign of respect. Right. So I think now is the time where we get to talk about Christopher Paolini's plagiarism of the Bible. (laughs) I mean, it's just really funny to me because when I was reading this earlier, I texted Austin and I was like, why did Mr. Paolini just plagiarize the Bible? Because it's kind of true. There's a story in the Bible that's almost like one for one. A few things are different, but basically Jesus is walking through town and there's a woman there and she's sick. And she's like, if I could just like touch Jesus, if I could just get a blessing from Jesus, like... I'll be healed. Everything will be fine. And that's exactly what happens in this chapter. This woman's like, if I could just get a blessing from you, Aragon, from you, Dragon Rider, like, please bless this baby. And it's like, this is this is exactly the same thing. And I know you're rolling mm-hmm. your eyes at me, but it really is like, I feel like Paolini just went to church that day. His parents made him and this was the scripture lesson. And he was like, I could, I could use this. Oh, maybe, maybe. (laughs) But I think it's a good thing of like, you know, Aragon was all worried about people seeing him as a writer or whatever. Then like the minute he's out in the street, here are these people that are like, like, bless us. You're powerful. Like, do this. Where Ajahn was like, this will, your inexperience and youth will quickly fade away. Right. I don't think Ajahad meant this instance, but. Well, to be fair to Ajahad, his arrogance and youth hasn't faded away because he stands there for several minutes not knowing what to do while the woman is like literally still begging him like, please, please bless us, bless us. And he's like, uh, huh? And it's like, Aragon, just 
just say something, anything in that moment is better than continuing to stand there looking like an idiot. Um, but so ultimately he does though, bless the child and he does so in the ancient language. And I don't think we get like a translation of what he says. Uh, we don't, but it's in the back of the book. If you have the book. Um, so it's let, let luck and happiness follow you and may you be shielded from misfortune. Mm. Okay. All right. That's a pretty good blessing. Like he did good in that. Yeah. Um, if you ever, if they ever like have the ancient language or dwarven language, you can. I in my Kindle version, they have it for each book. But there's a pronunciation guide and glossary. You can go to the back and find that. Awesome. Yeah. So like, do Weldon Varden means the guarding forest. Cool. Um. So kind of this chapter ends with Aragon and Safira going into like the room that she's chosen. There's a bed for him there. And they have this whole conversation about like who Aragon is. And I know we've been reflecting on this very topic probably for the last third, if not more of the book, um, talking about how like Aragon's not this farm boy that he was like, he's changed. He's different. And Aragon is finally catching up with our reflections for himself. And um, I, I think he's pretty upset in this and talks a lot about like, oh my God, everything I've done, everything I've lost. Like, I'm just, I'm just a kid still. Like, how can this responsibility be put on me? And him and Safira have a really interesting conversation. And I kind of wanted to read some of it um, just because I do, I do find this relatable and it does make me have empathy for Aragon because I think that this is a very common feeling when you're coming of age. So this is what it says. What have I become, Safira? He asked. I'm only in the first year of manhood, yet I've consulted with the leader of the Varden and pursued by Galbatorix and have traveled with Morzan's son. And now blessings are sought from me. What wisdom can I give people that they haven't already learned? What feats can I achieve that an army couldn't do better? It's insanity. I should be back in Carvajal with Roran. Safira took a long time to answer, but her words were gentle when they came. A hatchling, that is what you are. A hatchling struggling into the world. I may be younger than you in years, but I am ancient in my thoughts. Do not worry about these things. Find peace in where and what you are. People often know what must be done. All you need to do is show them the way. That is wisdom. As for feats, no army could have given the blessing that you did. Hmm. That's, yeah. I think it's interesting of like, Safira is basically saying like, don't let your youth let you, don't underestimate yourself because of your youth. Like many, basically, you know, plenty of people are going to underestimate you because of your youth for you. Don't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I love this whole thing that she's like, it doesn't really matter like how old you are if what you're speaking is truth. Like you have a role to play. And then he's like, but I just gave them a blessing. Like that doesn't really mean anything. And her whole comeback is like, 
do you really think that blessing did nothing? That kid who's dragon marked now, do you really think they're going to grow up to become a tavern owner or a farmer? No, they're going to be destined for greater things now because of what you've done. And I think it's a really good reminder about how even our smallest actions can have a huge impact and ripple out into the world around us. And we honestly, like, Aragon's not going to know what that kid grows up to do, most likely. And just like we're not going to know what our actions are going to have impacts on the people around us. Right. There's a great one of the great books or a really book that I really love. Um, it's by Mitch Albloom. It's called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. And it's its whole purpose like is that like you never know the impact that you're going to have. And they're like this guy, he dies and he goes to heaven and he meets all these different people. And a lot of them are not the people he expects to meet, which I think is interesting. And like some of the people are like, oh, I talked to you once, but you never know like the impact that they're going to have on there. And I think that's really what Sephira is trying to get at. Like, you don't know what this child will do. Do you think? And I think that's the point Sephira is making, like you said, like, do you think not just like this child's going to be destined to greatness because other people are going to lift them up? It's like after hearing these stories, after having the mark on your head, or do you think this child is going to be content to live in any kind of way other than what she's destined for? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um. Just one little thing before we kind of move into tradition. Uh, into what? Or- into predictions sorry i stumbled on my word a little bit um we didn't talk about this but we get a very very small glimpse into dwarven crafts fine dwarven crafts Um, direct from tronjime yes direct from tronjime tronjime or whatever it is but the isidar mithram the star rose which is kind of like a giant gem um I had to go back and see if we actually got mention of it in this chapter because I couldn't remember, but it's a big deal. It's like this huge gem that exists in there and ha- holds a big deal. Um, But it's where the dragon hold is. The dragon hold resides above it. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. But also, another, another thing that we got in this chapter that I'm really confused by, and it's only sticking out to me because I'm reading the throne of glass series right now by Sarah J Moss. And um, there are these things called word marks in, in that series. And it's a really big deal. And so after the whole quote, I read a few minutes ago um, where Aragon is like struggling with like who he is and everything. Um, he basically is saying, like, I found your egg. Like, I have been tutored by Brom. Like, I've dueled a shade. Like, these can't be the actions of the farm boy that I am. Something is changing me. And Safira said, it's your word, W-Y-R-D, that shapes you. What is that? What does that mean? So, you're weird. Is what weird, is. whatever. It's your fate. It's the ancient language word for fate. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. So like the Dubara Armor Weirda, the dominance of fate. That's that book that Jode gives to Aragon. I remember that. 
Do you? No, I don't. It's a big deal because they make a whole big deal that he picks up this book that's like the history of Allegasia. No, I remember that happening. I just don't remember the name. I didn't remember the name of it. Right. I mean, I've read these books countless times, so. Yeah, I know. But yeah, but a weird is your uh, fate. All right. Well, are you ready for predictions? I only have one. I have only one. Yeah, and I don't really have any reflections or anything dealing with like the content from this chapter. I do feel like, though, that in the next chapter, I think Arya's healing or lack thereof is going to become the central plot point. Probably true. And that's it. That's all I got. All right. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the Heron Cycle Page by Page podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.